Hello and welcome to The Naked Podcaster. I'm Jen Taylor and today I have Alana Bills on with me. Alana, how is your day going? It's going pretty well so far. Okay, so I'm going to preface this podcast a little bit differently. Alana is almost 21 in about a month. She turns 21, but she's the first one of my kids to be on the podcast. So if she calls me mom, that's normal because that's who I am. <laughs> also, I want, I want to make a statement to any of your siblings who may listen to this podcast that this is your story and your perspective. I found that in sharing my story and my perspective, the, the most difficult negative feedback I've gotten is from family. Um, so I'm just going to start out by saying this is Alana's story and Alana's perspective, and it, it takes a lot of guts to share your story. So I want siblings to be kind. How's that, Law? That's good. Okay. So I mean, I'll just ignore them. Be be nice. Be nice. Okay. And also a lot of this story, um, or I know about a little bit about all of it, but not a lot about some of it. So it's going to be like, there's some people that I know nothing about when I do a podcast and we jump in and it's just, I have no idea what to expect. And just because I'm your mom doesn't mean I know your whole story. So yeah, you really don't know that much because I don't talk. No. Now, Alana was the third biological child. And other than that, like in the order of the 18, where are you? Hang on. I'm more in the middle. So there's seven younger than you. That was the easy. Nicholas Taylor, Ashley, Gabby, Kezia, Sam, Taven, seven younger than you. So you're so there's like 10 older, Andrea, Casey, they're all older than you. Okay. And also what's tough for me about this, because I'm Alana's mom, is that I spent 12 years doing foster care. And then I spent a few years training foster parents. I was very, very, very trained in recognizing certain things. I taught people how to recognize suicide awareness and uh-huh abuse and stuff and that doesn't mean that just because you have the training you have it all figured out the other thing lon i want to make sure that you do is be brutally honest about me that's easy okay <laughs> i don't want people to think you're sugarcoating my part of this because i'm your mom and i'm interviewing you oh i'm not tell me about i will okay good <laughs> tell me about you right now where are you what are you doing um, right now I'm in the military. I'm running a program in the military for the chaplain corps. I'm going to school to be a pediatric nurse. I'm living kind of on my own with roommates. Like I've, for the most part, figured out how to do the whole life thing. And you're, um, in, Air, you're in the Air Force? Yes. Thank you for your service. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what are you training to do now? You're in Wichita Falls? Yes, I am currently in Wichita Falls just for some training. Um, I'm right now just going to tech school to learn my job. uh, Which is? uh, Crew chief. So I (laughs) see 130. So I just fix planes. That's all. Just a C-130. She's just learning how to fix it. 
no so, big deal. Operate it a little bit. Okay. You know, normal nine to five. <laughs> so take me back. Tell me where you were born, when you were born. We know that you're turning 21. So you were born in? I was born in Willow, Alaska, in a hot tub in the middle of the living room. Woo. Are you proud of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool because I'm proud of it. <laughs> well, I would hope you're proud of it considering you did it too. I, I was there for your birth. Yes, that's, that is correct. Willow, Alaska <laughs> in a hot tub in the middle of the in living room. Mm-hmm. Um, lived there for like the first six years. Do you Almost remember seven. living in Alaska? Yes. What do you remember? Were they good memories? Tell me about that. Uh, some were good. Some were just like, I remember sitting on the couch getting yelled at because me and Nikki and Taylor ran to the next door neighbors and didn't tell anyone. Like, Was that um, me that did that, that yelled at you? Oh, you pulled up in the van sobbing because you didn't know where we went. And we were just playing in the neighbor's front yard. And I was just like, oh, there's mom. Let's wave. <laughs> oh, she's crying. Why? <laughs> Um, I remember that too, because on the way there, I ran through a spider web. Uh, so you have normal, like weird kid memories, not having anything yeah. to do with Alaska. Okay. Do well, you remember I remember watching the Northern Lights. Oh, awesome. Like, I remember that. I remember the Cadillac Cafe, like little weird memories. Like I, I remember getting my purple dollhouse and all okay. the like accessories to it when a big black plastic garbage bag because like, I wrap things well your mom knows how to wrap things <laughs> oh yeah professional job not like, everybody gets presents in a black garbage bag I have no I don't have any memory of that but that's okay I remember it because I was just like oh, here's one chair here's another chair like I was so happy oh good and then do you, do you remember moving to Reno yes Oh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. I remember I was not happy. Like, I was excited because, like, it was a trip, but I wasn't happy about not going back. Mm. Like, I remember being on the airplane and being yelled at to sit down in my seat because I didn't want to. Like, was that me again? Yeah. You were okay. sitting in the aisle across from me, and I just kept getting up and walking up and down the aisle, and you were just like, get back in your seat. Like, and I was just like, I don't want to. Nice. Well, you were just ready. You were just seven? Yeah, I was right about to turn seven. Okay. Okay, so now take me through some of the stuff. Try to stay in order of the timeline, although if you forget, or yeah, I know, if you need to move back or jump around, or we can do it so that you're just highlighting the things. You, you said, you made a point to say you were right in the middle in the yeah. birth order. And that's very true. Did you feel like you had middle child syndrome because of stuff that we did, uh, your family did, or because you learned what middle child, I remember you learning what the middle child was and you kind of embraced the, that. Oh, I'm the well, middle child. <laughs> well, no, it's just that I was over, always overlooked to the older kids. Like I wasn't one of the older kids, so none of the younger kids listened to me. Oh, but okay. also, I wasn't one of the younger kids, so I wasn't like 
paid attention to. So I was kind of just like there. Okay. Do you so remember I, kindergarten? I was homeschooled. Yeah. You did some. Yeah. Play. See, yeah. so my book, I did art class. I did ballet. That was kindergarten. Yeah. You had a pretty kick-ass kindergarten. And uh, <laughs> see, so in my perspective, I didn't see you as ever being overlooked. But you felt like in between the older kids type of attention and the younger kids type of attention. Yeah, because like whenever I would have events, there would always be like, I, I was always skipped over like the first school dance or well, like prom type thing I went to. I had two younger sisters getting me ready because no one else was there. And I was babysitting at the time. So it was like, I don't know how to do my hair. Okay. Gabby. <laughs> Do right. my hair and makeup and nails because you guys know how to and I don't. So it was like I just, I never got all of those little things. Okay. Now, with some of the other stuff I want you to talk about, um, if you want to just bullet point them instead of going in order, that's fine. But here's some things that I want you to talk about. I want to talk about what it was that happened. Um, and then I want you to talk about why you didn't speak up or if you did who you spoke up to or why it took so long, that sort of thing. So you jump in with whatever one of your tough memories is or situations is, and we'll just go from there. Um, I don't know where to start. You want to start with bullying? Oh, <laughs> bullying. Elementary school. I had no friends. And there was this one kid, we'll just call him Billy. Um, he bullied me every day. He had a group of friends that would, like, go with him. And he just, from fourth to most, almost all the way through fifth grade, he, he was there until he got expelled. And then in sixth grade, all his friends continued it, but he wasn't there. And that... In middle school, they kind of left me alone, but they were still present. And then, what, what did they do? They would just like constantly tease me, call me names, push me down. He's actually the one. Well, he's one of the people that gave me, um, well, his friends gave me a black eye in sixth grade, and I lied about it a lot. What did you um, say? I said that it was an accident that happened after school got out. Um, I, I had told you that a kid hit me in the eye, which wasn't false, but I, I'd never told you that. Yeah, they kind of pushed me down, and I got hit in the face with a rock on the eye. The rock was an accident. They had accidentally kicked it, and it just happened to hit my eye. But they had still, like, pushed me on the ground, and that was a relatively normal thing. They would, they liked to uh, lock me in the outside bathrooms and just barricade me in there. And that, that it was normal for me. Why wouldn't you have told someone at the school? I tried to tell the teachers that, um, that he was bullying me and what was going on, and they would just do the whole oh, if a kid's bullying you, he likes you, he has a crush on you. And I'm just like, no, he doesn't. So they just, they just kept saying that. So I was just like, okay, maybe he has a crush on me. Doubt it, but okay. 
Doesn't sound like it. So did it continue on past junior high school, the bullying? Um, the bullying continued partway into high school, but then in high school, no one really cared anymore. It was more just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, it was mostly just in elementary and middle school. Okay. And you tried to tell people and felt not listened to. Well, they listened. They'd just be like, he has a crush on you. That's just what little boys do. And I'm just like, not sure that's true. But it's what I was told, so I just ignored it the best I could. And I would try and stay in at recess and read. So let's talk. I'm going to jump to, because you have you sent me your bullet point list, like all of my all the people who are on my show do. Um, talk about self-esteem. When did you recognize that you had an issue with self-esteem and where did that stem from? Because we've talked about bullying. <clears throat> That's one thing. <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, I just never really have like the best self-esteem. I was confident, but like it's different. Like I in elementary school it didn't have the best self-esteem because I was just like no one wants to be my friend no one likes me and that continued still struggle with it a little bit not gonna lie but it just I've never had the best self-esteem so why did you think people didn't like you or want to be around you I know how you felt in the family but I just I never clicked with anyone. I wasn't one of the like, girly girls who was always like doing my hair and nails and makeup, still not. Like, but I wasn't like the tomboy, let's go skate in the park every day after school. Like, I just never found the group of people I belonged with. Mm -hmm. So I never made a bunch of friends because I didn't click well with anyone. And that carried through to, I remember birthday parties. Oh, I hated birthday parties. Oh, you, I still. Usually in our house, we, we didn't do a birthday party. We did a family one, and that was because we had a lot of kids and I couldn't afford to do anything. Mm -hmm. So um, what did I, I did certain things for your birthdays every year. Yeah, you would always make a cake and we'd invite like whatever family was in town. We would, because it was back and forth between the houses, we'd have one house where it was a family birthday, one house where it was like invite your friends' birthdays, which was normally at dad's house because you made the cake. Yeah, I did, I did pick your own dinner. You didn't want to share it. <laughs> <laughs> so we would normally just do pizza and friends at dad's house. But you would always get little gifts that you knew we wanted. It was never much, but it was always like something you knew we wanted. You would always let us pick our dinner like it could be anything and then you'd make the cake from scratch so we did do a couple birthday parties with friends and also in our family we have a lot of birthdays really close together like i don't know 11 of them in five weeks or it's something ridiculous i don't even know how many but there's a lot of birthdays so <laughs> you you did invite friends tell me about that I would invite them, but most of the time I'd just sit there waiting for them to show up 
and half the time people would show up. I remember one time I was like really happy because like five people showed up and I didn't have a phone at the time, but they all did. And we were all just like laying sleeping bags downstairs, texting each other instead of like talking. But they, there was a bunch of drama between all the girls. So like in the middle of the night, like three of them left and then the other two left super early in the morning. So I was kind of just like, Oh, okay. And then that same birthday, uh, two of the sisters who are younger than me, who shall not be named, <clears throat> stole some of my birthday presents and tried to frame one of my friends. But it was fairly, very poorly executed, and I called them out on it. And so they bought me replacements because it was candy. But, I mean, it was my candy. So they, uh, they got me more candy because they're just like, shoot, we got caught. Um, like it just people would never really show up so I just stopped inviting people when I hit like 16 I just stopped doing birthday parties and being bullied and feeling like you're the odd man out and having issues with self-esteem didn't help that that all oh, was no. a vicious cycle then yeah it just never got better because I would be like oh yeah my birthday's coming up and everyone would be like oh have a party we'll all come and I'd be like all right, you're all invited. And then no one would show up, and then I'd go to school the next day, and they'd all be like, oh, I forgot, and it'd all be these weak excuses, and I'm just like, no, you didn't. I'm glad that we're talking about normal stuff that happens with kids that a lot of kids experience and don't talk about, because certainly I'm not minimizing your story, but you are definitely not alone in these things that are kind of unfortunately normal in growing up. Is, just as a question, is the medical issue the one that happened when you were a senior in high school? Yes. Okay, so we're going to wait on that one. Okay. I couldn't think of any other medical issue, but um, when did, what do you want to talk about next? Um, I forgot what I put on my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's, do you want me to prompt you? Yeah, prompt okay. me. I want to talk about the suicidal thoughts and also we've talked about this a little bit, but the, um, attempts, um, and most when that the attempts, go ahead. Most of the attempts were very poorly executed, obviously, cause I'm still here. Um, starting in like fourth or fifth grade, I was just like, I hate this. I don't want to live. Why? Um, because things started to get bad at home, at dad's house. Um, I was bullied at school. Like, it was just, I hated doing anything. Like, everything just made everything worse. So I just, starting, I, I know it's fifth grade, because things got slightly better after Billy the bully got expelled. Um, That's a great but, one. Like, Thanks. Um, but it just, I remember waking up and hating every day, especially when I would be at dad's house because it was just, you never knew what to expect. So I just, I remember the, I don't remember all my attempts because they all kind of blurred together. But I remember the first attempt, there was bleach under the counter, under the sink in the, 
kid's bathroom. And I, like, put some in the lid and, like, drank it. It tasted terrible. And I ended up spitting some of it out. But I know I swallowed some because I was sick for the next week. But it, I didn't realize how much bleach you would have to drink to die. I'm glad I didn't realize that. Cause Me that, too. It, it would have been unfortunate. Um, so the attempts and the thoughts started in fifth grade. When did they end and then go through that process of, you don't have to do them all in order, just kind of what you did? Um, they ended towards, the last attempt was the summer between junior and senior year. <laughs> so it went on for a long time. What, what year did you graduate? 2016. So you're talking about 2014 is when it kind of ended? Mm -hmm. At the Piper Place. Okay. Um, and like that's when the attempts ended, not so much the thoughts. Um, so there was multiple attempts. I, I tried to... I did attempt to hang myself, but I was too tall. Um, so then I tried to hang myself upside down and just let the blood rush to my head. But then siblings walked in and they thought I had just gotten myself stuck and they got me down. And I was just like, oh, ha, 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 thanks. Um, they don't know that, though. Um, one time I tied a rope to um, the side of my bed and then around my neck because I knew I tossed and turned and always woke up on one side of the bed. So if I did that, the string would tighten and X, Y, and Z. But I woke up on the opposite side of the bed in the morning because I didn't move at all that night. So it was just little attempts that had the possibility of working, but it was a 50-50 shot. And then the last attempt was a very calculated and thought out. I had done the math about it. I knew how high to stand on a roof to fall back and land on my neck. And I had a, I, I took a knife from the kitchen just in case. And I was on the roof in the middle of the night. And I looked up and said, if there's any reason for me to still be here, you've got 10 seconds. So I started counting down and then, I got screamed at to come and tuck someone in and they wouldn't go to bed until I tucked them in. Who so did that? I, Who yelled to you to tuck them in? Taven. It was the first it time she, me. well, no, it was Taven. She was calling for me. Oh, oh, oh. So she called for you. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and that was when she was like, when we had all started living together and she would pick one person to come tuck her in and she wouldn't go to bed until that person tucked her in. She had never picked me before. She was four was, at the time. Was, mm -hmm. Okay. That was the uh, first time she ever picked me. And I laid in bed with her all night, just holding her. And I did not sleep. That's the last time I even thought about trying. So um, I told myself I would live for her until I learned to live for myself. So it's the first interview I've cried on. <laughs> um. I'm crying too. Don't worry. Um, Most people cry, but I don't usually cry. So why, 
why during this time didn't you did you ask for help did i not understand did you not feel comfortable talking to siblings i i would try to tell people but i'm not a very confrontational person so just bringing stuff up is very hard for me. And like, if I try and confront things, I usually end up crying or like I'll cry afterwards because I'm just like, holy cow, I just did that. Which most people wouldn't know talking to me or just knowing me in general. They wouldn't know I cry when I have to confront things. Um, so it just, I always had to have someone with me to go and confront things. And I tried that, but it just, it was never the right people. Um, so nothing, nothing was ever done. Um, I remember me and one other sister, Ashley, we went and talked to um, someone from church, from dad's church, um, because her husband was a cop. And we're just like, oh, she's one of our, like, leaders and he's a cop they're the perfect people to go to and we trust her and she just said sing church songs and pray and everything will work itself out and all that did was make it worse so we're just like oh if we tell people things get worse got it and that was in like um when i was 14 so it was like right in the middle of everything so I was just like well if I tell people things get worse so I might as well not tell anyone okay uh, so that's I just, horrible I, I learned not to tell people because all that does is make things worse you know now that that's not true oh now I know that's not true I just picked the wrong people but I didn't know that then so I'm Glad we went in this order because we're setting things up. I know you've had issues. You've talked about how still connecting with others, building friendships and relationships is a little bit difficult for you. Although, how do you feel? I, I'm going to jump to right now, actually, because, well, no, let's not. Okay. I understand how, why you're feeling like no one listens and it, it's hard for you to talk. So when you do, things got worse and you're having trouble with relationships and friends, you felt kind of lost in the middle. Yeah. Let's which, talk about, go ahead. It's just that contributed to me feeling like the middle child. Cause like no matter what I did, things just got worse. And whenever I didn't do anything, things still got worse. So it's like I was, eternally screwed you were not on a good hamster wheel no not at all so tell me about dating let's go into <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing but i have your bullet list i know because i know as a mom i've been very forward you know you were like oh you're the naked podcaster well i grew up seeing you naked well my thought always was i wanted to teach my kids no matter what you should be comfortable in your own skin and not embarrassed or ashamed and have good self-esteem and confidence. Um, and if you're in my bathroom I'm, and I'm naked and it makes you uncomfortable, you can leave, but I'm going to 
I'm going to be in my space and be comfortable. So you grew up in a pretty, I was pretty relaxed about body image. And also mm-hmm. I, I felt like you, any of you guys could come talk to me about anything. Now I understand right. why you didn't feel like you could, but now I want to talk about relationships because I'm, I'm very open about you guys being able to come and talk to me about sex. I'm also very open about bringing you to the OBGYN when I, I'm pretty sure that you're sexually active because the only thing I can prevent is pregnancy and talking to you about birth control and being comfortable and stuff. So you haven't talked to me about this. No. Well, I did once and I've learned don't drink lemonade after a blowjob. (laughs) No, that was in my book. (laughs) You told me that first. Oh my God. It was probably when I was writing the book because No, it was in the kitchen at, um, (laughs) paper <laughs> house great so i'm too forward um <laughs> however we got on that conversation it wasn't something <laughs> i think i would have ever i mean yes i know i have said that but i and i also know it's in my book and i also know i will be open with you guys but i didn't ever initiate blowjob conversations but no, we were joking around in the kitchen and i was just like oh yeah like a blowjob i gave last week and you're just like don't drink lemonade after oh okay so that makes so, thank you for putting that in perspective because i just almost threw up uh, like <laughs> how did that go no, what the joke and then i was just like i need to test this now you're no. right it's terrible <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, I do know a couple things about sex. So tell me about your relation. So we've talked about friend relationships and sibling relationships and how that was difficult for you. So talk about boyfriend relationships or girlfriend relationships as the case may be. I never picked good boyfriends. Yeah, we're all aware of that, but our listeners aren't. So go ahead. (laughs) I, you, you date what you think you deserve. So Amen, I always, sister. Say it, say I always, it one more time. You date what you think you deserve, right. not what you actually do deserve, but what you think you deserve. So I always dated these dirt bags who were never good for me. And oh geez, it was awful. Um, no, they were they were all terrible. I just they were all assholes and some of them were abusive in one way or another um and if they weren't abusive they were just constantly belittling me putting me down making me feel worse than i was like each each one i would date would be slightly better than the last but slightly saying much (laughs) slightly better than the last but they were still terrible so this was based on your self-esteem and bullying. You were choosing people you felt like you deserved. Mm-hmm. So I never really had a good boyfriend so or tell girlfriend. Me, tell me about, okay, first of all, address that. Oh, I've, I've had like three girlfriends. Um, two of them were actually from the same church, uh, which made it funny for sleepovers. Um, <laughs> Uh, nothing ever came from it. The what one of the girls that I did, we were in the same dance class, which is how we met. And we, oh dude, she was just, she was beautiful. I loved her. Uh, her mom's homophobic, so she's now married to a guy and has a kid. But we broke up because her mom found out and was just like, "That's against the Bible," and freaked out about it. But. 
just another relationship. They they treated me better than the guys, but they still weren't the best for me. So are you do you consider yourself bisexual? Oh yeah. No, I yeah. So either way I, it would be good. Yeah. Either way. So tell me go ahead. Oh, I was gonna make a joke. Go ahead. It's just like you you'd think being bi would open yourself up to more dating options, but really it just opens you up to more rejection. Oh, that's a terrible way to think. <laughs> or feel. <It's> a, <laughs> well, no, because then like no matter who you hit on, it's just more rejection. Because like it's one thing for someone to be like, oh no, I, I would date you, but I'm straight. It's another thing to be like, yeah, I'm lesbian, but I'm going to go over here. So it's just like, ouch. Well, that, that's a case with all of us. We all, well, yeah. we all, none of us likes rejection. So tell me what things happen as far as the abuse in relationships with people you were dating. Um, well, one of the people would like, if we were in a little argument they would pick me up and body slam me onto a bed or a couch never hurt because it was onto a bed or a couch but like that's how they solved it and then they'd walk away and I'd be like that's not how we solve it but like they would do that because it was a way to like throw me around without hurting me because like we would do worse when we were play fighting and wrestling and stuff so like that would be how they ended the the argument or disagreement and then a couple of the guys were sexually abusive. It was like, I, I wasn't putting out enough for them. So it just made me feel worse. Like, I'm just there for the sex. And it just made me feel terrible. Was it against your will? Would you consider it rape? Uh, I, I never fought. But it wasn't welcomed. It was more like I just laid there and took it. Sometimes I would say no, and then they would make side comments because I would be like, I'm not in the mood right now because I'm not in the mood all the time. And they'd be like, well, you could get in the mood. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I don't have an eternal boner. So it was just like, if I wasn't in the mood, I'd let them know. But sometimes they'd be like, oh, just get in the mood. It doesn't work like that, though. So. It was half against my will, half me just laying there and being like, whatever. So it just made relationships a very negative thing. Well, you were getting bullied in your relationships. Yeah. So it just, the bullying never stopped. It just switched to a different. And you were choosing it now. Yeah. And then I'd feel trapped. But I, I'd always leave because most of the time I'd catch them cheating. Um, and that was like a complete deal breaker to me. Like, nope, done, gone. So you had things that made you stand up for yourself and say, I've had enough. But mm-hmm. you, it was had to be a pretty big deal. Yeah, because I, I'd always give people the benefit of the doubt. Like maybe they're just having a bad day or I, I'd come up with excuses for them um but there's there's some things where I'm just like nope uh-uh done gone so um, was there ever a situation of rape uh yeah a couple 
Um, there was, hold on, I'm thinking about this. Um, two relationships where it was against my will. Um, but that like, I would, I told them and like made it known that I did not want it afterwards. And then they feel terrible and they would made it up to me by like being extremely nice to me for like the next week and a half. Um, one was a roommate Two, two were roommates actually. Um, so it was just somewhere wrong people, wrong place. Not um, sticking up for yourself. And not stick, most of it was not sticking up for myself. Um, How did drinking and drugs play a part during all this time? I, I'm not real big on drugs. The only drug I would ever remotely tried was marijuana. And even then I didn't like the loss of control. Like, it just never suited me. So I just never really did it. Um, but I did drink. Um, it was like a scapegoat. I'd get buzzed or tipsy enough to like relax and loosen up and forget about everything going on and just be tipsy for a while. It took me a while to realize where that limit was. Uh, most of the time it ended up in me being drunk and I, I've only blacked out once. So I, I never got completely trashed, but I'd be drunk and like forget everything going on in life. So it was an escape for you. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't do it super often. Just when things were particularly bad. I'm going to jump ahead because I know when you were a senior in high school, you wanted to join the military your senior year. So let's talk about that situation. <laughs> I did. I want. I took the ASVAB mostly to get out of a math test, but also because I was just like, I just want to take this to take it. Turns out there's math on it, so I mean, backfired. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I scored fairly high the first time I took it and was all ready to like join the military. I didn't tell dad that I had taken it, but I told you and I, I spent like a week figuring out how to tell you that I took the ASVAB and was considering joining the military. Cause I was just like, she's going to like freak out. Everyone's going to lose it that I'm joining the military. Cause it's me. I can't do anything. So like, I spent like a week planning how I would tell you. And then we were at, we were at a park for some, it was like a little festival thing going on. There was a bunch of little booths and we were just walking in the grass. It was for a race. Shocking. Like a race. It, I know it was for a race, but it was a race for some health thing. I can't remember which one, but the color theme was purple. Um, and we were just walking in the grass, and it was just me and you, and I was just like, so, Mom, um, I have something to tell you. 
do you know what the ASVAB is? And you're just like, yes, I do. And I was just like, well, I took it. And you, like, freaked out, and you were just like, you freaked out, which I expected, but you were just like, oh, my gosh, you did? That's awesome. And I was just like, not what I expected, but okay. Um, and then we just, <laughs> we talked about the military, and, like, you were just like, which branch? And I was just like, I have no idea. Micro Navy SEAL, which was my original plan, but I don't really have the physique for it, apparently. Um, but, the, like, you were super excited and thrilled about it which took me off guard because that's not what I was expecting at all um so it just it caught me off guard I was just like all right she's she's all for it let's do this then I think it's interesting as a parent when like from my perspective I feel like I'm super open and I don't get upset too often and even if you make a decision where like when you moved into the apartment you know that first apartment oh, that was a terrible idea right and I said I think this is a terrible idea and this is why now I might be wrong but I didn't get upset that you did it like it's your yeah. it's still your decision it's so I feel like maybe I'm wrong and the kids are the ones that would have to tell me but I feel like I'm totally open to anything you guys want to do. If I'm concerned about it, I'll let you know my concerns, but I don't tell you to stop. I don't get angry. I'm not upset. I don't get disappointed. Oh, no. So, but you still expected me to get upset and disappointed and angry and try to convince you not to. And I don't think that, I cannot think of a time with any of the kids where I felt that way. I'm more like, okay, I get where you're coming from. These are the concerns that I have. Mm -hmm. And still go ahead and make your, but I'll support you either way. I was expecting you to be like, I'm not sure the military is the best fit for you. Uh, like, I, I was expecting you to not, like, tell me no, but to be like, there's better things you could do. Like, I, I wasn't expecting you to be, like, all for it. Like, I should do this. And I was just like, shit, okay. Let's so how did this. that make you feel, though? Because it was, was it something you really wanted to do and you were just intimidated to say something? It is something I wanted to do since I was nine, actually. Um, like, I, I'd always just wanted to be in the military, but I never knew, like, what branch or anything about it. I was against joining ROTC because, no, I, I don't know why. I just, I didn't want to join ROTC, probably because everyone knows the ROTC kids as the ROTC kids. And I right. One more I stigma. I didn't want that stigma, even though, like, I spent all my time in the ROTC rooms anyways. So um, what happened about joining the military? You decided you were going to do it. We went and did the sign-up paperwork. I, I did. I researched all the branches, talked to people in the branches, and figured out I wanted to join Air Force. And then we went and talked to a recruiter, and setting up that appointment was just absolutely terrifying. Um, but I took you with me. We did all the paperwork and stuff, kept meeting. Things were going really well. And I was super just like, yeah, let's do this. Because you like, your enthusiasm rubbed off on me. And you're just like, you want to join? Let's do it. And I was just like, all right, let's do it. So <laughs> well, like, that's a good thing. Amped, it amped me up. And I was just like, if this is what I want, I need to like do it. And then what happened? So like, <laughs> I got sick. I, um, had an untreated UTI, which led to a bladder infection, which led to a kidney infection, which then went septic. Um, so you were, 
living at home and you thought you had the flu, which is very normal because it's just like the flu. Originally, like the week before I went to the hospital, I was sitting in the bathroom with two sisters in the middle of the night because I was in a ton of pain. It hurt to pee and I was bleeding like crazy, but it wasn't a period. And I was sitting there talking to them and they were like on their phones with Dr. Google. They're just like, um, I think you're having a miscarriage. And I was just like, don't tell mom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I, I thought for like a week that I had just had a miscarriage. But I was just like, normally I would expect like hormones and all that. And I was just like, well, if it's a miscarriage, it did nothing for my boobs. <laughs> that's one of the things that happened. Your boobs grow. I didn't get any of that. So I was just like, I'm not sure, but okay. But then I started to show flu symptoms, and I was just like, oh, well, now I'm getting the flu. Great. And the flu made sense because Taven had the flu. So it was like, it was, it was just bad. And then. So you finally said something to me. Yes. I, I told you I wasn't feeling well. Well, no, the school called you. Okay. I told you I wasn't feeling well, and then I went to school because I wasn't sick, sick. And I, oh, I remember that day so well. Um, I had ceramics with Gabby and Abby, and we had a code red drill. And during the code red drill, I felt like everything had slowed down. Like there was tingling everywhere, and I just wanted to pass out. And so Abby just like, leaned against the underside of the desk and I leaned against her chest and took a nap during the code red drill. And when I woke up, I felt fine and continued with the day. Um, and that, it wasn't, it was weird, but it wasn't bad. And then when I was in, what's, what was it called? It wasn't homeroom. It was like IC or something like that. Basically homeroom. I had, gone to the bathroom because um it was charlie that was my homeroom teacher oh yeah and he's a friend of so, mine and a great teacher yeah yeah so i was just like can i run to the bathroom real quick before the bell goes i'll be back i'll leave my backpack here as insurance so he let me go because normally we're not supposed to go that close to the bell when i was walking back it happened again like every like i had hit a wall and everything just went slow motion and it became hard for me to just walk and move everything. And I started shaking and felt, feeling the shivers again. Like, I walked into my classroom, like, everyone parted, like, the Red Sea and let me through. Because apparently I, I looked terrible. And I walked to my backpack and walked past it to the wall and, like, turned and put my back against the wall. And was just like, I don't feel good. And then I just got pain in my stomach. So I just, like, kept curling up in a ball on the floor and then the bell rang and everyone left. And I remember like now because Charlie called me. Charlie called like, me and said that you yeah. were really sick. And I picked you up and brought you to urgent care, correct? No. Um, Josh drove me home, my boyfriend at the time. Okay. I had driven to school that day. Uh, so the foreigner was at the school, the car. Um, Josh drove me home. And I just spent the weekend sleeping on the couch and most flus you have good like good moments bad moments it fluctuates me I was just constantly downhill so by that 
Monday, you're just like, this isn't a flu. We need to take you to the doctor. And by then, like, I was light sensitive. It hurt to move. It hurt to eat. It hurt to drink. It hurt to do absolutely anything. And I was just laying on the couch. And you're just like, all right, Lana, come on. Let's take you to the urgent care. And so we get me in the car. We get me there. And, like, I'm clearly in pain. We get to urgent care. I'm sitting down. Taven's with us because she's homesick with the flu. And urgent care tells us there's a waiting list for two hours. And I, like, moaned. Not in pain, but more of, like, I have to stay here for two hours or go home. So you got on the waiting list. We went home. I laid back down. Two hours later, you're just like, all right, it's our turn to go. So we did it again, and it hurt even more to move that time. And we finally get there. And you're, like, talking to the doctor, and I don't know what's going on. But, like, I just keep curling up the ball, and they just keep, like, telling me to lay flat. So I finally lay flat, and they're, like, feeling around my stomach, and they thought I had appendicitis. That's right. So they tell you to load me in the car, and uh, you took me to the emergency room at the hospital, which was around the corner and down the street. And I was 17 at the time. And it was the adult hospital. There was no pediatrics there. But they took me into the emergency room. And I, I don't remember what happened first. But I remember them, like, fighting to get me to, like, lay flat and lay straight. Because I just didn't want to. And you were sitting there crying, holding my hand. Taven was sitting in a chair wrapped up in a jacket because she had the shivers from the flu. And they finally get a needle in my arm and they give me dilated. And I just relax and just look at you and go, woo. I know that they, they, they had you pee in a cup and the nurse, it was a male nurse and he, he tapped me and he held the cup up and it looked milky. And I went, Oh God, she's got a kidney infection. And we urgently put you in the hospital. And, um, they told me, then they moved you almost immediately to intensive care and told me that you probably wouldn't survive that first 24 hours. They moved me to the intensive care the Tuesday morning because I woke up screaming. I remember being moved. I had been sharing a room with a girl and there was a nurse in there for her, a really old sweet nurse. I feel so bad. But she had been in there for her, and I just woke up screaming pain because the needle wasn't in right. So my elbow was full of fluids. And I just woke up screaming at pain, yelling at this really nice sweet nurse to get the effing needle out of my arm. Like, I was cursing them out. And she, like, got a bunch of nurses. There was, like, five nurses in there holding me down. And then they moved me to intensive care. Um, and then I had my own room. Well, that's great, but it wasn't great because they, when the doctor was talking to me and I spent the night there and when the doctor was talking to me, um, they didn't think you were going to make it because you were septic and that stopped you being able to go into the military. Yes. A common side effect of kidney infections is gallbladder stones, which is an automatic disqualification from any and all branches of military and reserve. Which really, really sucked. You were very bummed. But oh, I, I want to fast forward a little bit. Um, how did you find out 
because two years later, you clearly you're in the military. So two years later, well, yeah. you joined the military, which was almost a year ago. How did you find out about the two year clear? Um, there was an army friend at a job. Me and him are still like social media friends, but we don't talk that often. Uh, we worked at the ski resort together. He's in the army and I was talking to him and I was just like, yeah, I would be, but I got disqualified. And he was just like, well, what for? And like I told him, he was just like, you know, if you get those surgically removed, it's a six month wait period before you can try again, or you just wait two years. So I, I looked into it because I was just like, I'm going to double check that. And I, I even called the recruiter to ask. And he was just like, yeah, that's technically true. And so I was just like, all right, I'm going to try again. So two years and two months after uh, the kidney infection, I swore in. Oh, excuse you. So. <laughs> Which was uh, a moment I was, Olivia was there and I was very proud of you and you were very excited. So yeah. I want you to tell me how you have felt in the last, it's been almost, has it been a year since you swore in? Uh, on April 13th, it will be. Okay. I knew it was coming up. So in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So you've been in the military a year. You were guard. Um, for the first eight months till you went to boot camp, but um, yeah, I'm technically on active orders. I'm still guard, but I'm currently on active orders. So tell me how you feel, because I know something that you said to me about the military, um, about fitting in. I definitely fit in more here. I've, I've definitely found a group like, we all joke around, and I, I found my people. Um, and how is that? Oh, my gosh. It is so much fun. I'm actually going to go see um, a scary movie with a majority of my class this afternoon. So I'm, like, super excited because, like, they invited me, Mom. <laughs> I don't get invited out places, but they invited me. Well, I want to make the point that, you know, through struggles, you can have a success. And for you, one of the biggest successes, I mean, you're just going to turn 21. So it's not like you have a ton of life experience. Oh, but no. one of your successes was following through on your paperwork and doing what you really wanted to do that you felt good about. And in the end, I mean, when you left for boot camp, you know, I know Brie and I talked about it. Like, is this going to be a good thing or is this not going to be it? Like, you don't know. You don't know what it's going to be like. That first week of BMT, you question every decision of why did I do this? And then you graduate, you get to high school and you're just like, this is why. Well, that was, that's your experience. And I know, I mean, I, I hope like everyone yeah. Everyone will think at least once, what did I get myself into in the first few days of BMT? Some will still be thinking that at graduation week, which was me also. I was just like, why, why did I do this? Why did but, I put myself through this? But, yes, you felt that way, but you also felt like a pr like pretty badass. Oh, well, also. yeah, I went through BMT, mom. Yeah, basic training is no joke, but you did really well. You excelled in boot camp in a lot I of ways. I felt in some places. I, I was not liked by my flight. They did not like me. Um, but that was okay because I only had to put up with them for like nine weeks. 
and now I, I, I'll see people from my past life. Now it's just like a, hi, how are you? I don't have to live with you anymore, so you're a good person now. Have a great day. And we continue our lives. Because now we're not stuck living together in a room. I want to bring this together. You've had the suicidal thoughts of bullying, abusive and bad relationships, mm -hmm. um, trouble with your self-esteem and connecting with people. Now that you feel like in this last year, like I found my people. I remember when you called me and I said, how's it going? And you're like, I've, I found my people. This is where I belong. I found my niche. And that's a huge huge um, yeah. thing how how the self-esteem and the bullying the suicidal thoughts and connecting with people how are you feeling about yourself now that you really found your people and you feel like you fit in I'm definitely feeling more confident and my self-esteem is like rising up because of the people around me like I'm now running a program and I've only been here for like two months and they think I'm the best leader for it so now I'm like in charge of a bunch of other people and I'm running a program and they're all just like, you're doing great. Keep going. And it's really motivating and it boosts me up. And then I'm just like, I can do this cause I'm a badass bitch. <laughs> I don't so think it's bitch, like, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but it's definitely like it boosts my self esteem and I feel a lot better about myself. And like, I feel like I can do things more so now than I could before. I want to end on what advice you would give people who are struggling with that self-esteem all the way to suicidal thoughts. And like if you could give young Alana advice to do things differently, what would you tell your kid self? That you do have a voice and it can be heard. You just need to scream loud enough and to be patient and keep screaming and the right people will come along and help. Holy cow. I'm going to end there. Um, I don't usually say this to my guests, but I love you. I love you too, mom.